Hello and welcome to Radio for Intermediaries in association with HSBC UK. I'm Gary Adams, Deputy Editor of Mortgage Strategy, and today I'll be talking to Chris Pearson, Head of Intermediaries at HSBC UK, and Liz Martins, Group Economist at HSBC. We'll be discussing the current economic climate and the challenges faced by the UK mortgage market. jump straight into the questions because we've got loads to go through. The first one is, we've had a series of interest rate rises over the last few weeks, and it looks as if these aren't going to stop. Um, What's the impact that these are having on the UK housing market? Liz, I'll go with you first. Sure. Well, yeah, as you say, we have had a series of interest rate rises. We've seen bank rate rise from 0.1% where it was cut to in the pandemic. So we're already past where we were pre-pandemic. That was 0.75. So that is quite a meaningful shift in the UK's interest rate environment. Now, in theory, um, that should be passed on like for like through to uh, mortgage rates. So, you know, bank raises by 25 and your mortgage rate, your floating rate mortgage, your offered mortgages go up by the same amount. Um, what we found in the previous cycle and also to some extent in recent experience as well um, is that the high degree of competition in the mortgage market means that that impact is muted. It means that lenders aren't necessarily able uh, to pass on uh, as much of that rate rise uh, in the in the base rate as as they might like to so actually mortgages have remained very very competitive so it remains to be seen all depends on the supply uh the balance of supply and demand of course but yeah i think um, in theory pushes mortgage rates higher uh, in practice it may not be as much as as some people um fear but in any case i think thinking through what that does to the broader uh, market and the broader economy um you know 80% of the mortgage stock is on a, f- a fixed rate now um and the bits that are not on a fixed rate often they are small balances um you know not the kind of balances that are going to become very problematic for households um, to service that debt. Um, And of course, new mortgages are overwhelmingly taken out at fixed rates. So if you're fixing in now um, on a five-year fixed rate, you know, potentially you're going to ride out the whole of this cycle um, and come out the other side um, when rates may even be lower again. So, you know, compared to, I don't know, previous tightening cycles in the UK um, over over the decades, I think more of that debt is on a fixed rate. And therefore, the impact uh, of, uh, of rate rises from the Bank of England will be perhaps more muted. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for that. Chris, is this something that you largely agree with? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to absolutely largely agree with um, our UK economist or HSBC economist. Absolutely, I think the bit I'd add is um, look, we are. I think we are seeing um, on aggregate rates, mortgage rates rise. I think that they've been going at probably two speeds actually of late. I think we've probably seen more rises in the lower LTVs where margins are a little bit thinner. Probably, probably fewer rises or, or, or a slower paced rise in the higher LTVs where probably a slightly wider spread there in terms of margins. So I think the ag- aggregate sort of customer rate has been relatively muted 
versus what we've seen in, in, in bank in, in bank based rate terms. Um, of course, as, as Liz said, there's a lot of customers already on, say, you know, fix of five years, sometimes more actually. So it could ride out the this particular economic cycle. But of course, there are a lot of customers that aren't and are maybe coming to the end of their terms in in, in the next few weeks and months. So um, certainly will be seeking value um, when it comes to their their next in. And of course, a lot of customers in this position and a lot of brokers and lenders actually um, haven't seen rates go in an upwards direction um, recently, probably if ever, if you think about where rates have been recently. So um, a little bit of, of raised eyebrows when it comes to where your next deal may, uh, may be priced at. I think what I, I would probably say, though, is um, now is a sign, time to seek out a broker to seek out that value across the market. And, and I think the other thing I'd say is, albeit rates certainly, as we're seeing, are percolating upwards um, from a customer price perspective, um, historically and comparatively still relatively low versus what we've seen in previous decades, actually. Thanks very much. Um, my next question might concern first-time buyers more than those already on fixes. Um, the UK has had an historic imbalance in housing supply and demand. Uh, in the current economic cycle, do you think this is set to tighten further, Liz? Well, I certainly would hope not. If we think about what's driving that supply-demand imbalance, I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, to spell it out um, very obviously, we've had very strong demand um, actually since almost uh, the start of the pandemic, and that reflected um, the stamp duty cut, um, the cut in interest rates, um, and the and, and the fact that people you know, had a good old think about their lives and what they wanted. And, and, and many people decided they didn't necessarily want to be in cities. They wanted more space. Um, so, you know, where we've really seen strong demand is in those kind of areas, kind of larger homes, homes with outside space, um, particularly within um, commutable distance to, to, the, to the UK's major cities. Um, Supply, on the other hand, has been incredibly constrained, and that's where I think this imbalance has has really been exacerbated. Um, and you know, I think as far as how that continues to play out, I think you know, demand probably softens a bit from here. We've just talked about the fact that mortgage rates are going up. It's not just mortgage rates that are going up; lots of other things um, are going up too. Uh, people may not feel as confident to make these big decisions. Um, as they were before, you know, there's a natural break um, when house prices start to climb above 10% year on year and become less affordable as well. Um, so I think demand certainly softens. Um, in terms of supply, I mean, that's a little bit more unknowable. I think there has been some uh, increase in supply. There's definitely been some construction. Um, but I think, you know, those those specific kind of homes that are in real demand, those, those good quality you know, family homes, um, commutable distances, um, you know, that really depends on whether people are going to put their houses on the market or not. It's, it's people's decision making. Um, and that depends on the economic cycle. I mean, if if we were to, you know, enter a, a really bad um, economic period, a recession, then, you know, in times like this, economic stress, people might put their houses on the market, look to downgrade um, and, and save some costs. Um, but we're not forecasting anything like that. So I think all I can say is really, I don't expect it to 
tighten further because I think the demand conditions are probably getting a little bit more challenging. Um, supply is 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 less knowable. I don't particularly foresee that um, uh, improving, uh, particularly in the coming kind of uh, sort of near to medium term, really. Thanks. Uh, Chris, what's your take on this? Yeah, um, I think it depends on what what time frame you put on any economic cycle, actually. I think um, from my perspective, um, you know, from a housing market perspective, um, house prices have always outpaced by quite some considerable distance from something from what the data I see. Um, general levels of background inflation. Um, so, you know, if we take a five-year period, for example, house prices may soften a little bit, but they always seem to come back through a cycle, depending on what time frame you put on that, to outpace general levels of inflation. That, <laughs> to be honest, this might be the one year where um, they're probably on par, if not uh, probably lagging behind general levels of inflation, actually, um, when you look at perhaps us coming into, in, in, into double digits, depending on what newspapers you read. Um I, I personally think um, that is set to continue in terms of a supply side issue in the UK housing market. And I think it is a supply side issue. Demand always seems to be quite hot and we're always chasing, um, you know, those the, the, those properties which are quite in scarce supply at the moment. Um, so, look, I, I don't think there's any quick magic wand fixes to this. I think there's so many facets to that we could spend a whole day debating what 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 those are um but certainly i think in, a, in an economic cycle that might look to three to five years i would see house prices continuing to outpace to outpace general levels of inflation um and we, we will continue to have that issue in the uk um until we build more actually more yeah houses. And I think that's a really good point, Chris. And, and to add on the demand side, I think when you have inflation, um, you know, that's the time when people's savings are being eroded um, sitting in a bank account. You know, the, the amount of interest you can get in a bank account is is much, much lower um, than inflation. So if people take the view um, that actually a house price even breaks even, doesn't need to go up, um, then it, it feels like a more attractive place to put your money than, um, than in a bank account and possibly than other asset classes if you're a bit worried about some of the red flags coming out of the economy so I think from that perspective um, demand will will remain supported as well. You both mentioned inflation there which is really useful because Liz I want to ask what are your thoughts on inflation over the next 12 months and how might this impact demand in the housing market? Yeah, well, unfortunately, inflation is uh, is has picked up a lot. Um, we are expecting um, the April number to come in at about nine percent year on year, which is, I think, you know, would have been unthinkable um, even just a few short months ago. I mean, that is by far um, the highest rate of inflation we've had in the UK for several decades, um, and unfortunately, we expect that to stick around. Um, we think inflation is going to be above eight percent for the rest of 2022. Um, we've got another shock coming, unfortunately, in October. We've already had a 54% rise in the um, household energy cap. Um, that was in April. Um, and we're going to have another rise in October. We don't know yet how big that will be. But the Bank of England, for example, um, has penciled in a rise of 40%, which is really quite eye-watering and will take the inflation rate, unfortunately, higher again. 
Now, as to whether it then drops neatly out and uh, we can all go back to normal in 2023, um, you know, we, we sincerely hope so. But there is a risk, I think, that some of these pressures become more sticky. Um, and what the Bank of England is worried about is this issue of a, uh, a spiral. So essentially, the cost of living goes up. Employees go to their bosses and say, look, the cost of living's gone up. I need a pay rise. They get their pay rise. But now the boss's costs have gone up. So they pass that on to their customers. And now the cost of living's gone up again. And the employee needs another pay rise. That's the um, wage price spiral. It's what caused so many problems in the 1970s. It meant inflation was really, really hard um, to, to bear down on and ended up you know, with interest rates, uh, I think in 1979, getting as high as 19%, um, which is obviously not what we're, we're seeing in the UK, uh, certainly not, but uh, or in, in 2022, I should say. Um, but you know, that's what that's what people are worried about is that some kind of expectations effect wage uh, pay growth um, core inflation um, really does stick around for quite a lot longer. Um, and as to what that does um, to the housing market, well, we've talked about the one side of that, which is that housing becomes relatively appealing if you do have some savings and you want somewhere to invest them. You know, the housing um, remains an appealing asset compared to, for example, putting your money in a bank account or in the stock market. Um, but there are, of course, other impacts as well. One is that, you know, your cost of living has gone up. And unless you have got a pay rise that, that matches that cost of living or exceeds that cost of living, then actually your real income has fallen. Um, and so that means you're spending more on your weekly job at the supermarket, you're spending more on fuel, and you've got less at the end of the month to save up for uh, a deposit on a home, or indeed uh, to afford those mortgage repayments um, if you're a first-time buyer. Or you know, so uh, I think I think it's definitely a double-edged sword. Uh, inflation with pay growth um, doesn't have to be negative, but inflation above pay growth, which is unfortunately what we're forecasting for um, the UK in 2022, um, could potentially, yeah, you know, bear down, I think, on, on demand just through that affordability issue. Chris, you, you're nodding, so I take it you agree. No, I'm, I'm nodding in, in, in full agreement. I mean, Liz has given us some numbers there in terms of where we think inflation might go. I'd, I'd probably just say, you know, take your pick of headlines um, from any newspaper or any or, or any news bulletin, um, it's in it's in the region. It's in the the, the region. Some are predicting double double, double digits, um, and and I, I also think that in terms of the government's well, I say it's not the government's necessarily, but the Bank of England's tools um, to try and dampen that are are somewhat limited based on the components that are making up inflation um at, at, at the moment so you know it's arguable um but a lot of economists would probably say that um interest rate rises can take 12 to 18 months to actually play through into into the economy in terms of material impact or or, or change so you know whilst we're seeing bank-based rate rises at the moment i'm not seeing that curtail the short-term inflationary pressures um, but clearly, we need to make and plan for the future, the next 12 to 18 months, so we don't see any further spiralling, which I think is what's driving the bank's sentiments or views or, or changes to bank base rates at the moment. It certainly won't be a short-term fix. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I think, as you say, um, the majority of inflation pressures come from something the Bank of England has no control over. You know, they can't increase the supply of natural gas into the UK. They can't bring down global wholesale oil prices. We've got, unfortunately, the impact of um, you know, the, the the pandemic, we're still working through that. And then on top of that, unfortunately, we've had the breakout of war in one of the most commodity rich regions of the world. So we know about the oil and gas that, that comes from, from Russia, but there's also food commodities. So, you know, wheat prices and sunflower oil and things like that, other metals, palladium, neon gas. I mean, there are so many commodity prices which have been and will continue to be affected by um, the war in Ukraine. And if you put it all together, you know, it, it adds to the inflation pressure. But the BOE can't do anything about that. Um, and what they need to do is be very careful um, that they are not raising rates too high to contain inflation pressures that are ultimately going to weigh down on demand in the UK economy um, and potentially lead to risks of recession. Okay, well, looking at the next question, I was hoping it would be something a bit more cheerful, but Maybe not. Um, mortgage affordability appears to be tightening for many potential borrowers looking to take their first step onto the housing ladder. Is this set to continue, do you think, Liz? And if so, for how long and how might this play through to the broader housing market? Well, I mean, I think I think Chris is probably going to be more of an expert than me on this question. But I think in times of uh, economic stress, like we're seeing now, I think lenders will become more cautious. They will be more worried about people's ability to service uh, that debt. Um, and therefore, I think, you know, maybe will, you know, that that, that, that will affect their willingness uh, to lend and the supply of, of mortgage credit. And I think, you know, as long as there are red flags around the economy, then then perhaps that uh, unfortunately uh, does continue. I broadly um, agree with everything Liz has said there. Said there. Um, I mean, look, for, for, for lenders, affordability is absolutely critical, isn't it, in terms of us assessing um, a customer's ability to repay um, the, the, the mortgage. Um, you know, all the data points that feed into so many different affordability models, um, some of them from the ONS, for example, some of its model data that takes from, from sort of inter internal bank data points. Um, I think it's fair to say at the moment they all point towards um, higher costs of living. Quite an obvious thing to say, but that'll, that'll play through into affordability calculators, I'm sure, for, for all lenders. I can't speak for all, of course. Um, but that would be my, my 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 view my view of the market, um, and of course affordability is cyclical as well, isn't it? You know, data points are always cyclical, so you know affordability modelling changes very very regularly. Sometimes it tightens, um, sometimes it can ease off a, 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 a little bit. So you know these these things aren't always fixed points in in in, in time. I think the important thing is that customers are going to look to seek value. Across across the wide the wider market. So again, it's really important for all the brokers listening to this podcast that they're onto that. I'm sure I'm sure they all are from what from what I'm seeing. It's very important to be proactive for those customers that may be coming off a fixed rate in the next few months. They're aware of the current situation in terms of where they may go next. 
um, and for brokers to guide them through that process, depending on the circumstances, particularly whether you're an employed individual or whether you're a self-employed individual, you know, things may have changed. You, know, you may have to find different homes for those customers across the whole of the market, which is where the broker's magic comes in. Thanks for the magic answer. Um, Liz, I'm going to return very quickly to the Bank of England interest rate rises. Um, what what are you, you, you? I feel you've mentioned them previously, but I'll ask anyway. What are your views on these rises, and uh, where do you think they're going to go in the next six to twelve months? Yeah, I mean, I, I I certainly understand why the Bank of England has begun to tighten monetary policy, and we're clearly at a point in the economy where. Um, demand is outstripping supply. We've talked about that in the housing market, but that's by far uh, certainly not the only uh, area of the economy where we have a supply-demand imbalance. It's also true, in most notably, in the labour market in the UK. You know, we have a record number of vacancies. We have unemployment back down to pre-pandemic levels. And if you look at the surveys across sectors, manufacturing services, hospitality, finance, you name it, employers are saying we're struggling to um, get the, the staff, um, you know, at all levels from, 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 from the lowest to the highest skilled. Um, so that's, you know, what economists call a very tight labour market. It means that wage pressures are rising and that in turn can lead to inflation. And that is the kind of inflation that the Bank of England says we can control, we can bear down on that a little bit by raising interest rates and trying to just moderate demand so that it is closer to supply uh, in the economy. So I can see why the BOE have started raising rates. Um, they're certainly not the only ones. In fact, um, the, uh, the the central banks that haven't started raising interest rates are much more uh, of the outliers. The European Central Bank, for example, although we expect they'll get started um, in July, but other central banks around the world have been doing it um, as well. And certainly a lot of these themes that we've been talking about, you know, these supply demand imbalances, inflation pressures, wage growth, you know, these are things that we are seeing um, across different uh, countries and, and economies. Um, but how much further do they go? Well, that's actually something that central banks are taking quite different approaches on. Um, so if we look to the US Fed and the central bank over there, um, they're saying, look, we're actually quite worried about the inflation pressures in this economy. They raised rates by 50 basis points. So, um, you know, compared to the BOE moving in 25 basis point steps, the Fed did 50 um, in May. Um, and they said we might have to do 50 at the next meeting and the meeting after that. And some members of, of, of the Federal Reserve have talked about possibly even moving in 75 basis point increments and they expect um, their uh, main interest rate to get close to sort of three percent so above neutral as we say so uh, to the point where it's actually tightening monetary conditions and bearing down on uh, on demand um, so that's what the US are doing that's the line that they're taking and um, the Bank of England sound really quite different in their communications so in contrast to the Fed laying out their expectations for rates to get close to 3% um, in the next couple of years, the Bank of England said further tightening might be appropriate, only might. And it also said that two members of the Monetary Policy Committee thought that it was, uh, it was, it was, it was too risky even to put that guidance in. So they thought probably the balance, on balance of risks, it wouldn't be appropriate. So it's really interesting, a very different line from the Bank of England. And the reason for that line is the Bank of England think that 
the cost of living crisis will cause consumption to fall because actually we're all out of pocket and we're having a nice time now because we've all been let out after the pandemic and we've we've seen a strong rebound in demand and we're all still very happy to go out to the bars and restaurants and enjoy uh, that freedom again. Um, But as the weeks and months go by and we feel the pain of less money in our pockets in real terms, we will respond accordingly and, you know, we will behave um, in a much more cautious manner and actually cut back on spending on those discretionary items when you're, when you're have to force to pay more on your mortgage, on your fuel bill, on your heating bill, on your um, on your food bill, um, then you've got less money to spend on other things. Now, the Bank of England, their view is, this will reduce demand and it will reduce inflation such that in three years' time, inflation in the UK will actually be substantially below the bank's 2% target. But the reason they think that is partly because of the cost of living squeeze and partly because they base their forecasts on market interest rate projections. So the market expects UK interest rates to get almost as high as what's expected for the US Fed. They're looking at 2.5% by the middle of next year. Bank of England saying, if we have that amount of monetary tightening, that amount of rate rises, it will cause negative growth in 2023. It will cause a sharp rise in unemployment and it will cause below target inflation. In other words, they're saying, if we have that much tightening, it will be too much. So the Bank of England's really guiding towards much less tightening than we see for example, by the Fed. Right, a lot of information to digest there for our listeners. I'll just <laughs> a second. Uh, Chris, what, what do you think about the interest rate? I, I, I couldn't possibly disagree um, with a senior economist from HSBC on where interest rates are going to go. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to violently agree um, with Liz <laughs> on, on where they're on where they're going to go. What fabulous answers are there? Which I'm, I'm certainly not going to do justice to. Um, by a response. Well, probably what I would say, though, is um, Liz made a, a really key point, actually, in terms of communication. And um, without getting part of political whatsoever, my per- this is a very personal view. I think I think some of our central bankers could perhaps communicate a little better and a little clearer in terms of direction of travel, um, in terms of their thinking on where the direction on rates is going and why, and of course quantitative easing um, as well as quantitative tightening, as the case may be. Um, and I think if you look at some of the Bank of England um, minutes coming out of their sort of monthly meetings, probably haven't aged well when you read them in today's context. Um, I'll probably just put it like that. So I think better communication would be would be better all around. Yeah, I think that's a it, it's a good point. I mean, other central banks are very clear about what they expect to do. They have a forecast for their own interest rate decisions. The BOE purposely doesn't do that, and they communicate via their inflation forecast, which obviously for the layperson isn't necessarily going to be that intuitive um, to understand. Um, and things have been very up and down in terms of people's expectations from the Bank of England. Um, I think they had to kind of hammer home the message towards the end of last year that they were going to start raising interest rates. Um, the market was absolutely convinced they were going to start in November. In the end, they didn't. And that was a big uh, surprise. They started in December. And it does feel like it's been a bit of a roller coaster. And that sort of even harks back to, um, you know, the current governor is Andrew Bailey, the previous governor, Mark Carney, 
and the uh, moniker the unreliable boyfriend because he always seemed to be changing his tune on whether rates were going to go up or not. One word of um, sympathy for me as a, as a fellow economist and forecaster, you know, the times change as well. The economic circumstances change. Um, and, you know, the central bank is is trying to react to that. But I agree with Chris. They've had a lot of, um, uh, I think, criticism around uh, changing messaging. Great. Thanks both. Um, just one more question left. We're returning to the housing market. And it's a bit of a mouthful. So please bear with me while I... Uh blunder through it. Um, the government has made several interventions in the housing market over the last few years in order to stimulate demand. From an economist's perspective, Liz, do you feel government interventions of this nature hit the mark? Um, if so, why? If so, why not? And uh, what are the likely downside risks to the housing sector through these interventions, if there are any? Yeah, so I mean, with the housing market, um, I think you always have to be careful. Uh, to say that any development is either positive or negative because uh, I'm a homeowner, so I'm going to say that prices going up is a positive development. Um, but if I'm a buyer, um, I'm going to say that prices going up is a negative. Um, so there's no kind of generic um, positive, I think, or good news or bad news. Um, but what I would say is that these successive demand policies um, have pushed up house prices. So, yeah, that's been great for homeowners who probably feel a bit richer, uh, spend a bit more money, stimulate the economy in that way, um, but really not great for, um, you know, uh, younger people and first-time buyers. And this government came in saying they wanted to turn generation rent into generation buy. Um, I don't think we've seen um, enough policies um, to make that happen. In fact, I think the affordability metrics um, on UK housing are, are deteriorating and are, are getting worse. And at the same time, we're seeing rent prices go up again as well. So the rental market is actually still really strong. Um, and what that means, of course, is the more you're spending on rent, the less you're able to save for a deposit, even though you're probably spending considerably more on your monthly rent than you would be paying a mortgage. So it's one of those great ironies. Um, but I do think... Um, you know, we've seen policies that have stoked demand. Actually, I think the stamp duty cut that we had in the middle of the pandemic, we didn't need that at all. Because if you look at any country, uh, certainly across developed markets, you look at Australia, you look at the US, you look at Germany, um, I will show you a housing market that did really well in the pandemic. So this was a global phenomenon stimulated by, as I say, that need to, that desire to move, get more space, um, rethink people's life choices, and also by low interest rates. So we didn't need that stamp duty cut. Um, it cut a few tax revenues for the Chancellor, and I don't think it probably did that much to stimulate demand because the demand fundamentally um, was uh, there already. Um, and in terms of the downsides that all this can cause, I mean, you know, if you are just making things more and more unaffordable, then you are, of course, risking a big correction at some point in the future. So, I mean, I think that's the uh, that will be the worry associated with that. Uh, Chris, what's your, what's your opinion on these interventions? Yeah, um, again, not wishing to get you know, obviously we we, we it's, a gov it's a government intervention question, so um, we're not going to get party political on on this podcast at all. Far from it, from an HSBC perspective. Um, so, you know, my personal take on markets, and it is a personal view on markets, is you know, I I think they 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 should honestly function without the sort of helping hand 
of, of government wherever possible. Uh, and I know that's not always possible, and then sometimes you're a little nudge in the right direction through various policies. Um, but my general direction of travel would be um, I think markets should function normally. Um, and we, we do have an example of probably stamp duty was one of them where, you know, I know it was put into play last year by the, by the Chancellor for all the right intentions, but easy to say with retrospect, isn't it? Um, but we probably didn't quite need that stimulus. I think demand was already there in, in fairly strong supply, actually. I mean, help to buy would be another classic example. I mean, we could, again, spend a whole day, couldn't we, on on various sort of packages that we've had over the last few few, few years. Um, yes, help to buy has got a lot of people onto the housing ladder, particularly onto the new build, into the new build market. Um, has that helped all the customers that perhaps it was designed specifically to help? I'm sure a lot, um, but I'm also sure that a lot of customers have probably um, got on got on there or in there that perhaps it wasn't quite designed to help um, with their, their specific circumstances. And, of course, the downside um, to all this is, again, um, that sort of demand outstripping supply scenario with interventions, which leads to house price inflation perhaps being fueled a little bit more than it naturally would have been, being the classic downside, Gary, would be um, my little take on it. Thanks very much. Um, and that's all the questions I have, really. So I'd like to thank you both for spending your valuable time with me today and talking about these issues. And I hope the listeners um, find a lot to ponder. Thank, thank you. you very much. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed taking part in it. Catch you next time.